This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. It's Creature Feature, a spotlight on one of the Wildlife Hospital Dunedin's extra special guests. And our extra special guest in the awesome morning show studio, Jordana White from Dunedin Wildlife Hospital. Morena, good to have you with us, Jordana. Morena, great to be here as always. Now, you always keep me guessing about which creature we're going to be talking about today, and I've only just found out today uh, we're going to be talking about uh, a parakeet, but not just any parakeet. That's right, a very special one called Betty. And I decided to, um, as she's an Antipodes Island parakeet, Betty, she was. I should just warn you now, this is a posthumous tribute, much like we just had to Queen Betty on Monday in this country. Um, so she died, but uh, she's died since she became a patient of ours, but not when she was a patient of ours, if mm. that makes sense. Okay. Um, but yeah, Betty was, uh, she's an Antipodes Island parakeet. So we've talked, I think in the past we have mentioned Antipodes Island before, but just to remind you, it's a tiny speck of an island very far away uh, in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, and then, as the name suggests, Antipodes is the complete opposite side of the Earth uh, from London, actually. So that's where the name Antipodes comes from. So it's in the middle of, of nowhere, um, but it belongs to New Zealand. And there's a lovely little bird called an Antipodes Island parakeet that lives there and only there. Wow. Yep. And so she's. Uh, we remember we've talked. Uh, we featured um, yellow red-crowned kakariki mm-hmm. uh, before, and this is a very similar bird. It's a parakeet as well, uh, but it's just all green. So the red crown obviously has the red crown on the top of its head, uh, and this one's just all green. So it's quite easy to distinguish from other parakeet species. Just a little bit of blue on the leading edge of the wings. Um, cute. But Betty was about 112 grams, adorable little specimen of her species. Um, we don't have any populations on mainland New Zealand or on any of the predator-free islands around New Zealand, but there are some in captive management. So that's why she came to us, because she lived at the Kiwi Birdlife Park in Queenstown. Uh-huh. So she was part of their collection of natives, uh, and they looked after her for her whole life. Um, but she came to us because she had some wounds underneath her wings, and we're not actually sure why she had those. Uh, it could be that she maybe just bumped into something in her enclosure, or who knows? She's, she, was a really, um, she was a really busy little parakeet. She got really, uh, she was curious about everything, really inquisitive. I guess most of those little you know, parakeet and budgie, budgie species are pretty um, inquisitive, and she was certainly no exception. So she might have gotten herself into like a little bit of mischief, and that's why she had the wounds uh, in the first place. Uh, but they weren't healing, so they were pretty minor. But the reason that they weren't healing is because she was worrying at them. Mm. Not sure why. I mean, I think sometimes we've had penguins that have done that with their feathers when they're trying to grow back in, that they get maybe a little bit um, tickly or itchy. And so she was kind of worrying at them, perhaps. We don't actually know why. Well, we Um, can all understand that. You know, they get itchy, don't they, when they're in the healing process? Yeah, it's irritating. And they're they're high energy little birds. You know, they flit around quite a lot. And um, so it just could be that she just sort of developed a behavioral uh, issue around it. And once she started doing it and she got in the habit of it, she couldn't stop. So the wounds weren't able to heal on their own. So that's that's why she came to us. Um, now, Antipodes Island parakeets are about, she's about 112 grams. So that's pretty typical. They get up to about 120 or 130 grams. So not a big bird. It's considered a medium parakeet, but um, pretty challenging when you have a bird um, of that size that's also so busy. And she was otherwise well. So she felt fine, um, which is different than a lot of our patients where we can kind of, they're quiet anyway because they're not feeling well. But she, she you know, trying to bandage a bird. <laughs> 
that's that size and that's that active is really challenging. Um, so we we had to uh, the the nurses had to get really quite creative with how they bandaged her. And one one of the things that they use to try to speed along the healing of the wounds is probably going to surprise you, but it's um, manuka honey. So we actually pack a lot of wounds with manuka honey. Um, now, just to be clear, it is a veterinary medicinal grade manuka honey. So please don't go to the grocery store and get a jar of manuka honey and put it on your open wounds. I wouldn't recommend that. But it has really beautiful natural antibacterial properties. So it helps speed the speed the wound um, healing along, which is great. So we use that. We use it in seabirds. We use it in other birds as well. So we, we packed her wounds with honey, and and then we had to get quite creative with the bandaging. Um, even then. She's a bit of a bit of a challenge with picking at the wounds and trying to pull the bandages off. So, you know, if you think about your pet cat or your pet dog, what you have to do with them after a surgery oh, or Oh, the cone of shame. She had a teeny little cone of shame. <laughs> Poor Betty. <laughs> Otherwise, such a dignified little bird. But, yeah, we had to put a cone of shame on her. And, I mean, of course, as you can imagine, on a little 112-gram bird, it was adorable mm. but there's you know it was it was um it was a desperation move on our part because we really needed those wounds to heal up before she could go home back to Queenstown um, but thankfully they did um it was um you know was a success story from our end um unfortunately she has passed for other reasons since then but um I, I had a chance to speak with the the keepers out at Kiwi Bird Life and and they just said that she was she was really social with their other Antipodes Island parakeets so she um was you know a little little chattery uh and they call her curious to a fault, which I would have to agree with. That jives with what we experience with her in hospital. Um, they said that they had to be extra careful whenever they were working in her her area because she would always be into their equipment, always checking them out. Sometimes she would even climb into their pockets to see what was going on. So <laughs> she's quite quite a cute little a little charmer, I would say. Um, and they said that just as a species, that antibodies generally are quite a handful um, because they are so busy. And we definitely experienced that with her as well. Um, the nurses said every time they went in to check on her, they had to be absolutely on their toes because she would escape at the least provocation. I mean, she would see her moment and she would take it. And it sounds like she probably picked that up at, at, at home at the BirdLife Park. Um, but, yeah, she, she carried that on with us. And trying to catch a parakeet in a ward... Uh, when she can fly just fine was yeah not easy so try to keep her in the cage wherever possible. So what do we know about the the populations on the Antipodes Island? So they're, as I said they're endemic to Antipodes Island and there there's thought to be about 1000 to 2000 of these birds. They're they're which doesn't sound like a lot and it's not. They're classified as naturally uncommon. So the reason for that is just because they have one island that they live on. It's a small range. That's what their island can can handle in terms of population. Um they they because they're naturally uncommon, they're considered a threatened species, and that's because all it would take is one incursion of a mammalian predator on the otherwise pest-free island that they live on to decimate them. So they, they have a lot of vulnerability in that in that re, for that reason. Now, the good news is it is a pest-free island, so they, are, they aren't at any risk. Um, they don't really have any natural predators on the island. Um, they um, are ground dwellers, so they can fly, obviously, and they fly really well, but they actually prefer to walk. Mm. So they actually walk around their island, uh, and they nest in the ground. So all it would take was, you know, a few mice, a few rats, and they'd be in big, big trouble. So 
still fragile in that way, um, but no, nothing nothing to worry about, I guess, generally speaking. Those islands are highly controlled, so you can't just rock up. I mean, why, why would you be in the middle of absolutely nowhere? Um, but visitor, visitors are strictly uh, regulated, so to, to keep that risk down. Gosh, um, it makes you think about the amazing job that people have to do to get out on the oceans and visit these wild islands and check and protect these species. Uh, incredibly rewarding, I imagine, for those who are working there they get to see things that no one else gets to see but um, yeah, that's a that's a, a an important job and not an easy one I wouldn't imagine yeah the, the logistics involved in that would be epic um, but an absolute privilege as you say I think it would be really exciting to be able to to one of, be one of the lucky few to go there mm. uh, really cool um, one thing I now we have this um, you know peaceful image of of Queen Elizabeth and this lovely peaceful image of, of Betty um, but I'm gonna I'm gonna throw you for a loop here a little bit because this little parakeet one thing that's special about it or unusual I guess about it is that they're um, in addition to Kia, they're one of the they're the only other parrot species that's known to occasionally eat meat, ah. and they actually so they'll scavenge. Sometimes they will. Um, the, oh, I should I'll be, be predatory about meat. I should say so they will scavenge. So they'll sometimes eat eggs or they'll eat um, carcasses of fur seals, which I just find fascinating and difficult to imagine. Um, but they will actually also predate on uh, a, a, a species of petrel. And that, that it's, appears to be seasonal. It appears to be a little bit opportunistic. But that's incredible that what, they eggs actually... eggs or young birds? No, the birds. Mm. Yeah, isn't that interesting? So they're the only other, the only other parrot species known to do that. Um, Kia also will sometimes opportunistically predate on things. But uh, yeah, really fascinating, especially for such a small bird. Uh, I certainly wouldn't have expected that. So that's, that's one of their little quirks. And that, maybe that's just simply a, a, a matter of you know, survival on a remote Through island. Through necessity. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Yeah, so this this is one of um, a, a rare delight where I'm not repeating myself over and over again talking about introduced predators because they're not actually at risk. So in terms of what people could do to um, to you know save these save this species, they're okay. You know, they're as long as we leave them alone on their really remote island, they're going to be sweet. Um, one thing I will mention that is a concern for our vet team and for in general for people working with birds this year and, and other years as well. But there is a massive outbreak of avian influenza in north in the northern hemisphere, um, and there is potential for that to to get it. It's typically poultry and, and uh, sort of other domesticated flocks, but it can get into wild populations as well. And there's some real concerns about it getting into the wild bird. Um, uh, southern ocean population because of the migratory patterns between north and southern hemispheres. Um, so we're keeping a sharp eye on that this season in hopes that we don't have any kind of incursion of that. But I'd imagine that that is one thing that could threaten this species. If it gets into wild birds that do visit or breed at Antipodes Island, that that could be a concern for them. With, with a species like that that are not quite on the brink, are there programs to keep populations alive at any other place in sort of an un unnatural environment, if you, if you mean? Sure. So the Betty was a part of this captive management program, this mm. captive breeding program, and that was um, a, my my best guess is it's a, an insurance population, as you say. Um, they there were antibodies released at uh, Kapiti Island and Stevens Island, I believe it was at one point, um, in, sort of in the 30s or 40s. Um, the population has the captive population is being wound down, and I think that probably is because the native the endemic population is doing fine. Um, so my basic understanding is that they're not being bred anymore in captivity. Um, not sure exactly why that management decision was made, but they must feel pretty confident about mm. that. 
question mark. I'm worried about the avian influenza, of course, but um, I'll leave that for smarter people to work out. Well, there we go. We're always learning something on the creature feature, the Antipodes Island parakeet, more particularly Betty's story today. Thanks so much for bringing us that. Um, Jordana, we look forward to catching up with you again in four weeks' time. My pleasure. The Wildlife Hospital Dunedin treats sick and injured native New Zealand species right here in the heart of Aotearoa's wildlife capital. Their expert veterinary team patches up more than 500 patients every year, returning the majority of them back to the wild where they belong. You can learn more about the hospital, including ways to support this charitable trust, at wildlifehospitaldunedin.org.nz or follow their Facebook page for more fabulous creature content. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.